Healthy Girl Kitchen. I am obsessed with Healthy Girl Kitchen. She's a vegan food blogger and health coach. I want to be her best friend. Invigorating conversations with leading experts. Danielle spends her days helping others improve their health. This is the Healthy Girl Podcast with your host, Danielle Keith. What's up, you guys? Welcome to another episode of the Healthy Girl Podcast. It's about 9.15 right now. I'm sorry if I have a little bit of a morning voice. My parents are here right now, so I've just been hanging out with them, giving them the tour of Boca. They've been here before, but I'm taking them to do new things. The other day, I took them to a Japanese garden here in Boca. It's called Murakami, and it's so beautiful and you basically walk through and it's there's like a bonsai tree exhibit. There are like different kinds of wildlife you can see, like little turtles and iguanas everywhere. And it's just so pretty. So if you're ever in Boca, I highly, well, actually, I think it's in Delray Beach, which is right next to Boca. But if you're ever in this area, I highly recommend going like if you're into nature and being outside and doing that kind of thing. I highly recommend it. But yeah, my parents are here. I literally haven't seen them since March, since the pandemic started. I had my bridal shower starting in March and then literally a week later, everyone was on lockdown. And yeah, my parents live in Michigan and I live in Florida and I have not seen them in so long. And they're here for two weeks up until Thanksgiving. So it will be just nice to keep hanging out with them and keep spending time with them. So let's get into the cooking tip of the day and the health tip of the day. Starting with the cooking tip, if you need a vegan main course for Thanksgiving, You have to make my vegan shepherd's pie. It's on the Healthy Girl Kitchen blog and made it last year for Thanksgiving as the main course. And everyone was obsessed with it. It was gobbled up. It's super hearty filling. It tastes like the holidays because it has like all of those classic seasonings. The bottom layer is made with veggies and lentils and the top layer is like crispy mashed potatoes. It's to die for and it's the perfect replacement for turkey if you're plant-based. I know a lot of vegans are messaging me and asking me for advice on how to have a vegan Thanksgiving and having a big hearty dish like a shepherd's pie is definitely great for replacing turkey. And if you're not vegan, it's a great side dish to have on your holiday menu. As for the health tip of the day, I want you all to add one cup of greens into your breakfast. Greens are so important and most people do not get enough green leafies, me included. I always forget, but I think just getting them into your breakfast, it just helps you get it over with. Like, you know, you've already had greens if you put it in your breakfast. And the best part about greens is they're so versatile. You can put them in a sweet breakfast, a savory breakfast. You can make a veggie tofu scramble and add some kale. You can make a green smoothie and add spinach. You can make pancakes and then like blend spinach into the batter and you won't even taste it. Greens are also packed with fiber, disease-fighting antioxidants, and essential vitamins. And kale is one of the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet. So get more greens in. Your body will thank you for it. Also, just a side note, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you have an Instagram account, Take a screenshot of the podcast, tag me and our guest of the day who I'm about to announce, but for sure tag me, put it on your Instagram story because I love knowing who's listening to the podcast after I see all the downloads and how many people listened, but I'd love to see on your Instagram if you're tuned into the Healthy Girl podcast. 
But let me tell you about today's guest. Her name is Cameron Rogers. She is the voice behind Freckled Foodie, and she's the host of Freckled Foodie and Friends podcast. She's on a mission to make healthy living approachable and to remind everyone that no matter what emotion you're feeling, you're not alone. In today's episode, we dive deep into talking about body positivity, tips for dealing with anxiety and negative self-talk, and just all things surrounding that. She really uses her platform to talk about those kinds of things, and I really don't think it's talked about enough, and I haven't really discussed that yet on my podcast, and I think she really is the perfect person to have that discussion with. So... Without further ado, let's welcome Cameron Rogers to the Healthy Girl Podcast. Hi, Cameron. Welcome to the Healthy Girl Podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I love being a guest and get to be on the other side of things. I know. You're normally like the podcast host queen, so welcome. You're in the hot seat. No. Oh, my God. I think you're in the hot seat. It's so much easier to be the guest. You just answer questions. You get to kind of sit back and relax as the host. You're constantly thinking of like you're trying to be actively listening, but then you're thinking of the next question and you want to make sure the show's going in the direction you want. There's so much more pressure as the host than a guest, I think. No, it's true. It's actually so hard. And like people have asked me about podcasting and they're like, oh my God, like you're so good at asking questions. How do you like listen and think of things at the same time? But it's so hard. It's really hard. Yeah. And like sometimes I'm just like so entrenched in the person's story that I'm like, wait, no, like that's great. Okay. Like what's the next question? Yeah. Um, And I don't go, I don't have any questions prepared. So I'm really just like (laughs) going right off my feet when they're speaking, I'm listening. And then when they stop talking, I'm like, oh, this is my job. I now have to ask the question. That's so funny. Um, Well, before we start, I just wanted to say I am honored to have you on the podcast, especially yesterday you announced some very exciting news. So if you want to share with everyone. Yeah, well, thank you for the kind words. Um, I am pregnant. I announced. Yeah, I it feels so incredible to be able to actually say the words aloud to a community that's you know, it's, I mean, obviously it means a lot for me to tell my friends and family who have known for a long time now, but now that I'm past the 12 week mark and all my tests are fine, being able to tell my freckled foodie family on Instagram just feels so incredible. It's like a weight off of my back, not feeling like I have to show up and almost like lie on Instagram. It was such an odd thing for me because I'm such an open book and I share so much real time that it was really difficult for me to keep that in. Yeah. And you found out the sex, right? Yes. We found out we're having a boy, which I am over the moon about. Both my husband and I were like, you know, we don't care. We just want a healthy baby. But we both knew that the other wanted a boy. We just didn't want to say it. You know, I get I get boy mom vibes from you. Oh, I, I joke. I'm like, I've been training my whole life for this. If I had, like, I eventually want a daughter in like later in life, but the first I am a tomboy at heart very deeply. I wore boys clothes up until like fourth grade. I still <laughs> steal most of Joe's clothes. Um, so the idea of having to dress a young female in addition to myself is stressful. So I'm very excited and just like, Yes, I'm very, very excited to be a boy mom. Oh, so cute. And I'm going to ask you more about your pregnancy later. Of course. Because you were so open and honest. And I 
I watched your vlog and I listened to your podcast about your pregnancy announcement. Yeah, I wanted to be in the loop, Um, but I do want to ask you about that later. But I kind of wanted you to start just like with your background, who you are for people who don't know you. Yeah. So my name is Cameron Rogers. I am the voice behind Freckled Foodie. I am a content creator in the health and wellness space. And my mission is to make healthy living approachable and to reassure everyone that no matter what they are feeling, they are not alone. I do this by creating what I would like to think is honest and open and approachable content on my Instagram, which is Freckled Foodie. And then my other platforms like YouTube, my blog, TikTok, and my podcast, Freckled Foodie and Friends. I've been doing this now for two and a half years full-time. And before that, I was in a very different world where I was working in sales and trading at JP Morgan for about five years right out of college. What was that transition like? So you were working on Wall Street and then you decided to pursue Freckled Foodie full-time. When did you create your Instagram while you were still working there? Yeah. So when basically when I graduated from college, I'd interned at JP for two summers. I loved it. I had a full-time offer the summer before my senior year, and I obviously took it. And so going to senior year, my job was lined up. It was incredible. It was truly amazing. I loved, loved my job. I felt like I was one of my few friends when we graduated college that actually enjoyed what they were doing. And it was very catered to my characteristics, especially as an athlete. It's fast paced, it's competitive, it's team oriented to make quick decisions. You know, I thrived in the environment, to be honest. But at the same time, I was simultaneously struggling with a bunch of GI issues that led me to some elimination diets that led me to start cooking. And this is a very long story, but to make it short, I basically was cooking a lot for myself and I started meal prepping and then I was meal prepping for my then boyfriend, now husband. And then my friends were like, I wish you would meal prep for me. I said, okay, well I will. And so then I was meal prepping for all my friends on the weekends and I was doing these breakfast sales where I was handing out free breakfast at the beach on the weekends on our busy street while people were walking. And I had started this account Quite honestly, I started it drunk one night because I thought I would get like free meals from restaurants in New York because I loved going out to eat, but it was getting expensive. And my friends were getting sick of me sending them photos of stuff I had been making and recipes that I had been creating. And so I started this on the side with zero expectations, kept it a secret from most people in my life for a few months. Then I was like, okay, I guess I can start telling people. I had it while I was still at JP, but it was nothing like it is now. It was very strictly food. My face was never on the page. You would have no idea what I looked like or what I sounded like. I never talked in anything. I kept church and state very separate because of many reasons, but mainly I was young and I had a lot of big accounts at JP and I didn't want them finding this food account and thinking that I was taking it more seriously than my job. Um, And I'm happy that I did that, but it really wasn't until... I started sharing more about myself than my account grew. And that was after I left. So I had loved doing this account. I felt like there was so much opportunity. And I I kept saying, I feel like there are 10 doors. And every time I open one door, there are 10 more doors behind it. And I don't have time to open any of them because I'm quite literally spending every minute of every day either working on this account or going to work. And I was getting up at 4.30 in the morning to start doing – like. It was crazy when I think back to it, but I had to make the time because it was something I was interested in and passionate about. And I 
I had considered and toyed with the idea, could I do this full time? I was making zero money off of the account. It's not like I had this side business. And I really had a hard time with the concept of leaving JP because at this point I wasn't enjoying it nearly as much. I was an anxious mess. I was struggling with a bit of depression. And at the same time, my job was such like a badge of honor for me. I It was so wrapped up in my ego. Telling people I worked there, I felt like I immediately gained their respect. It was really, really good money and the golden handcuffs are really hard to walk away from. So that was difficult for me. And it honestly wasn't until I had a pretty life-altering moment and I got hit by a car while I was crossing the street and I suffered from a bad concussion. And so I was on disability for two months. And during that time, all I could really do was like journal and talk to people over the phone and reflect. And that's when I started meditating. And it became really clear to me that life is really short and I have this privilege to take a chance and to take this risk and I know what I'm passionate about and, you know, I'll never be this young again and I'll never have this opportunity again. And so I did. I went back to work and I told them after a week that I was leaving and, you know, my boss was very confused and that was two and a half years ago. So it was definitely not the easiest of transitions. I left without any type of real business plan that was in place. I had ideas, but obviously I had to like kind of start them from the bottom up. I had the account, but it's not like I had a large following that I was financially benefiting from. So it's been a journey, but it has many ups and downs, but the ups heavily outweigh the downs as I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah, totally. And I think that brings up an important point that like, I think some people feel like if they are going to leave their corporate job, they need to be financially stable or confident that they could be financially stable from the thing that they're wanting to leave their job to pursue. Mm -hmm. So I think that's interesting that, you know, you weren't making money at the time. And for me, like I literally was babysitting when I decided to pursue Healthy Girl Kitchen full time. And I think sometimes on the other hand, like in order to make money, you have to just like throw yourself full force at it. Yeah. And I think there's so much privilege wrapped up in my story personally. And I always want to acknowledge that because not everyone in this world can just be like, oh, I want to go do this. I'm going to take this risk. Like, you know, I come from a very privileged background that allowed me to live a certain life and then allowed me to not have to pay off student debt and then allowed me to be able to save money. And I made a really great salary at my first job and I saved a buttload of money and I didn't know what it was for. And, you know, going into quitting my job, I definitely looked at my financials and said, okay, how much money am I willing to invest in myself? How much money do I spend every single month that's essential? And how many months can I go living with my essentials and God forbid not making any money? Like, what will that look like? And fortunately, this type of career does not have much of an overhead cost. It's not like I'm leasing a building or I need all of these products, you know, to make something. It's really just me. And so there's not much downside or like in upfront investment. So I was able to take that leap, but I still, I had an idea. I sat down and I was like, okay, how many health coaching clients can I have a month? How many meal prepping clients can I have a month? What's the potential of me getting a sponsored pod, uh, like sponsored post at that time? So I had an idea, but is that what came true? No. Is what I make financially now in comparison to what I had thought it would be different? Absolutely. Like I'm not meal prepping for clients. I'm focusing mainly on sponsored content. I now have a podcast. Like it's not like I had this great business plan and that's what 
got me here, but it definitely helped ease my mind in the sense of like, okay, I can somehow make money off of this so that I'm not just draining my savings. Yeah, for sure. And I think also too, people don't realize how important it is to save. Yeah, and I'm a big the fact that like, saving. yeah, I, I've always been like very frugal. Like my mom taught me to be like very good with money and to like always look for a coupon or a deal. So I'm always saving where a lot of my friends are very much into just like spending all their money, traveling, brunching, doing all that. And like, I obviously love to do that too, but I do love to save. And especially like, I'm sure you can relate being your own boss making sure you always have that backup in your bank account. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes at first it's not, you know, if you didn't have that large savings like you did, it might be hard at first to build it up if you're just worrying about paying the bills every month. But if you can, totally, if you are your own boss, start saving because it's worth it. Yeah. I honestly used to be a lot better at saving because I was making more money. Now I literally just had this conversation with my husband. I was like, I need to be a little bit better at budgeting now that I'm on a different salary. However, if you are at a place where you're able to save, I'm a huge proponent of save, save, save. Yes. So you said at first you weren't posting your face or talking on your stories like you do now making YouTube videos. It was all food. When did you decide to start including yourself? I, I recently was having this conversation. I'm really trying to think back. Um, it's a joke, I have, a running joke I have with my sister, my younger sister. She always said, the second you start talking to your phone on your Instagram stories, I'm deactivating your account. And I was like, I would never do that. I would never be caught dead talking to my phone. Now it's all I freaking do. And I think because at the time, Instagram stories were new and it was very much just like the top fashion influencers with like a lot of filters and the blowouts and the makeup. And I just felt so disconnected from that. And so I still don't feel that I'm doing it in a similar way. Not that they're doing it a right or wrong way. I just feel like I'm creating different type of content that's more me. But I remember first sharing when I quit like a photo. And there were a few photos of me scattered in beforehand. But when I quit, I was kind of like, I quit my job, like I'm doing this. And, you know, that's when stories really started to become a thing. And so sharing more of like when I was meal prepping for clients. And then I struggled really badly with anxiety, specifically that first year after I left work. And it was manifesting in different ways physically after my accident. And I then shared that I was going on an antidepressant. And the more I shared the more A, my engagement grew and like my community just became more engaged, the more my community grew overall. And also I realized like I was having more of an impact on people. And for me, that's the only reason I have a platform is because I feel like I'm helping others and like I do have an impact on their lives, I guess, which sounds crazy, but just based on the messages I receive, like that's what sparks my content. That's what leads me in the direction of what I want to share. I obviously am sharing stuff that I'm going through, but for me, if I share a recipe, yes, obviously like it helps people and they're making the recipe and all that. But if I'm sharing that I'm a huge proponent of therapy and that I'm trying a different antidepressant and that it's really changed my life, my DMs are inundated with people saying like, thank you for making me feel less alone. Thank you for encouraging this type of behavior. Like Thank you for reminding me that I need to take care of myself. Those types of messages to me are so much more worthy personally than someone making a recipe of mine because I feel like I'm truly having an impact on a large part of their life. And so the more I was sharing, the more I started 
to notice the impact I was having. And the more I shared personally about my life, the more proud I was of that impact, I guess. And so it's just kind of grown from there. I mean, now I literally feel like I share every detail of my life (laughs) as long as it's my story to share. I know for me, the first Instagram story I posted of me talking, I was so nervous. Like I made my fiance leave the room. I'm like, you can't listen to me do this right now. (laughs) I know. I wish I could go back and find it. Yeah. I, I definitely like, I didn't show my face the first time. I just like showed what I made and I'm like, yeah, so I like made a salad and blah, blah, blah. Or like, maybe it was like a company like sent something to me or something. I'm like, thank you for sending me this popcorn or whatever it was. I felt so awkward. (laughs) I I know in the beginning, it's like, what am I even doing? And I was just with my friend, our dog trainer, and we were doing a session and I was filming some of it and I just start talking to the camera. She's like, you just do that so nonchalantly. I'm like, yeah, well now I'm just used to it because I don't even think about it now. It's just like, hey guys, what are you doing? Okay, what's up? Like, it doesn't have to be, it's not this whole big ordeal, but I remember in the beginning being like, what do I say? How awkward am I? Like, don't no one look at me who's around me. I still get not as much anymore, but I guess like last year or the year before when I would be talking to my, like I'd walk away from my family and even just them watching me do it, I'd get nervous. Yeah. It's weird. It's awkward. And I actually get people messaging me saying like, you know, food bloggers or other bloggers being like, you know, I really need to post my face more. Um, but I'm super nervous. So do you have maybe like some advice? Yeah, I think it's totally normal to feel that way. I definitely was self-conscious about sharing and less about like, I felt nervous being on camera. I've always felt very comfortable on camera, but more like, oh my gosh, what are people going to say about this? And that's just your ego getting in the way because in reality, people care a lot less than you think they do. And also what other people care about, think about you is none of your business. I tell myself that all the time. I should not base my life off of the fear of someone else's opinion. It's not even usually an opinion I value. And I also think just like lowering this expectation of perfection, people, I was helping a friend who was trying to grow an account and she, I joke that I'm a recovering perfectionist and she felt like she had to have everything just be so perfect for the stories. And she put so much pressure on herself. And I'm like, that's not even what people are looking for, quite honestly. You know, all the feedback I get from my community of why they follow me and engage with my content is because it's not perfect. And I think relatable is huge right now, especially. And so the more honest and relatable and just yourself you can be, and the less you're trying to be someone else, the better it is for engagement and growth and just building a community. Yeah. And I think too, what I tell people is like the second you stop caring about what other people think, like you'll just be able to be free and be yourself. Like that's the first thing. Like you just have to let it go. Like who cares that like Carrie from high school is watching you or like maybe this person from college, like who, no one doesn't matter. You know, like, yeah, like no one cares. And also you'll weed them out soon or not. Like, I think of what I talk about now and I'm like, I don't even know if any of these people originally I was worried about. I don't even know if they still follow me. If they do, then clearly they're enjoying something. And if they don't, I don't care. And I share things now where I'm like, I would never have shared that when I originally started this account. Like, what has happened? But then you also just get so comfortable sharing everything and it's hard for me to stop. I'm like, where do I draw the line? I know the other week I posted a video about like a breakfast to have if you're constipated. And I'm like, I've gone off the deep end. Like, I don't know who's seeing this. I literally, I shared a text that I sent to my friend and I've been talking about pregnancy symptoms and 
bad gas is like, honestly, it's insane. I've never experienced anything like this. And I texted my friend and I was like, I swear to God, I feel like I lost five pounds in the middle of the night from the gas that I was having. <laughs> it was unreal. And I shared it on my story and I was like, I've officially lost my shit. There's just no more. There are no boundaries anymore. You're like, no shame. Sorry. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> oh, he doesn't have Instagram. So it's amazing. He has no idea what I'm sharing. It's so funny. Yeah, but he's in the bed with you. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, he knows. Trust me. He is well aware. But I just blame it on the sun. I'm like, our kid has such bad gas. That's amazing. Okay. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about body acceptance and body positivity. Yeah, I haven't yeah. really yet like talked about that on my podcast. And I think mm-hmm. like you're the perfect person to talk about that with. So I don't know if you want to start with like your own health and wellness journey with yourself. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for thinking that I would be good at this conversation. Um, so for me, I around the same time that I was dealing with these elimination diets, I can be a pretty controlling type A person. And I really enjoy tangible assets like numbers. And I'm very competitive with the world, but also myself. And I always have been. And so when I was dealing with these elimination diets, the intention was positive because I really was trying to figure out you know, what's triggering these flare-ups? How can I stop them from happening? I was in severe pain and there was a reason for doing these elimination diets. It's not like I was trying to lose weight. However, the impact became a little too obsessive. And at the same time, I was realizing that I now was responsible for working out on my own, which I know sounds crazy, but as an athlete my entire life, I really never had to worry about it because I would just show up to practice. And I played college in lacrosse at a D1 level. So we practiced six days a week, some days twice a day. And so I never like, we obviously we had lifts three times a week, but I don't consider that going to a gym. Like I was just told where to be and when to be there and what to do. So it was never on my own accord of like figuring out a workout regiment. And when I graduated and started working, workouts were like the thing that got thrown out the door because we'd end work and all of a sudden we'd have client drinks or team drinks or client dinners. And I never got to the gym. I didn't even know what to do at a gym because I didn't have my lifting program. And so I got into running because it was the one thing that I knew I could do. And that for me became a very obsessive, tangible asset because it's numbers or it can be numbers based. And I was focused on the numbers rather than how I was feeling. And at the same time, I was then losing all this weight. And of course, because the media and everyone in society has been forced and lied to believe that thinner is better, the compliments started coming in. And when the compliments start, it's like, oh my God, well, yeah, I do look amazing. Like I should probably lose more weight. And it's a total mind game. And I just became way more obsessed than I realized. And I was just in so deep of like, what am I doing for this workout? How far am I going to run? I have to be yesterday's pace when I'm eating for breakfast. What about lunch? Like I was so concerned about the food I was consuming and it caused me so much anxiety. I'd be anxious to go to fun group dinners with my friends because God forbid what was going to be on the menu. And I don't think I at all had an eating disorder, but I definitely flirted with orthorexic thoughts. And it kind of hit this point where I remember at the Equinox that I was a member of, all these women would weigh themselves every day. And I never grew up with a scale. And I truly never had real body image issues 
until after college and around this time is when I started like really focusing on how I looked and like body checking myself in the mirror every morning and obsessing over whether I was bloated and obsessing over, you know, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm no longer fit in these jeans and I have to get this skirt tailored. And this is such an incredible feeling when it, it wasn't an incredible feeling. I was an anxious wreck. I didn't have a period. I had lost too much weight. And I remember sitting in the Equinox locker room and watching all these women weigh themselves and think, is this what I'm supposed to do? And so I started weighing myself and it was one of those old scales where you physically like move the thing like at a doctor's office. And I remember feeling a sense of almost pride as I was moving it down. And that's when I realized, oh, this is not me. This is not who I am. This should not bring me joy. This is not where I want to be. And at the same time was when the accident happened. And that for me is a real like before and after moment in my life in so many ways. But it really reshaped the way I looked at exercise because all I wanted to do was to be able to go for just a walk. And I couldn't even walk for like 10 minutes without feeling like I was going to pass out. And I had lived for so, I guess, like the past three years in this mentality of like, if I don't beat yesterday's workout, then this workout is a quote unquote waste, which is bullshit. And I kind of had this moment of like, I will forever value any sense of movement and just being able-bodied. And I think for so many of us, we take for granted the fact that we wake up every day and our body works and that we're alive and we're functioning and we have limbs that get us places and do things we want to do. And we're so focused on perfecting them, quote unquote, and shrinking them instead of actually thanking them and like showing gratitude to our body and fueling our body with food instead of fearing food as if it's the enemy. And so it really rewired the way I thought about a lot of things. And from that point, I gained probably 20 to 25 pounds. And that again, played a little bit of a mind game when I would see that number and compare it to the lowest I was at the other point. But then there was one day where I noticed like, why am I obsessing over this point 25 pounds less two years ago when I was so much less happy. I was so anxious. I was depressed. I was crying after work because I felt so lonely, even though I lived in this incredible city and this incredible apartment. I had this great job with all of my friends and family nearby and an amazing significant other. Like I felt so lonely because I was living in my own head and I wasn't enjoying life. And I was such a mean person to myself. And all I did was critique myself. And so that's when I really started to realize that weight is not something that we should value ourselves off of. Your weight is the least interesting thing about you. And if I'm in a place where I'm so much happier, why would I ever try to go back just because I was a lower number on a scale that makes no sense to me? And so I really just kind of like leaned into that. And I think now I have the best relationship I've ever had with my body and with food. And especially now that I'm pregnant, as, as my body's changing, I'm so grateful to be in this position where I'm welcoming change because I can imagine how difficult it would be if it was three years ago where I would have been freaking out seeing that number grow or having to get new clothes and really just working on the voice in your head, like being kinder to yourself. And I think it's a lie that we're given by some people of like, oh, I love every inch of my body and I always do. No, I mean, I still critique myself every once in a while. However, it's not like I'm critiquing myself every time I look in a mirror. And if there, that one 
voice comes in that's critiquing, I then don't spiral on 10 critiquing thoughts afterwards. I stop that voice in its track and I bring in what I call the angel voice, which I've trained to step in by literally stopping once I start critiquing myself and give myself affirmations of that specific part of my body out loud if I'm alone, in my head if I'm not. And you really just... it it sounds crazy, but you rewire your brain. And so now this angel voice steps in on her own without me having to think, okay, wait, stop. We don't do that. Let's affirm. It just happens naturally now. And it's taken a lot of time. I mean, therapy is another huge proponent of this journaling. I do a ton for my anxiety, CBD, marijuana, antidepressants, like that's big for me. Um, and all of those things have really helped along this ride. But I also think that you have to make it a priority. Like you have to be nicer to yourself because you would never say these things to a friend and you should be your biggest supporter. Yeah. And I think even for me, when I'm feeling down about myself and I maybe look in the mirror one morning and I'm super bloated or like, I feel like I can't wear a two piece set that day and show my stomach because I'm just not feeling it. I'll think those things. And then like, Ari, my fiance, will walk in and be like, damn, babe, like you look good today. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, like we are our own harshest critics and the things that we think about ourselves, like no one else is going to think that. And even if they did, I mean, fuck them. It doesn't matter. But like, I've just found letting go of those thoughts and just taking that moment in the morning to just like love yourself and accept yourself and know like anything you're thinking is a million times worse than what anyone else could be thinking when they see you. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, media has ingrained this idea in our mind that we have to have these quote unquote perfect bodies and that perfect equals thin. And, you know, it's very, quite honestly, deep rooted in racist behavior if you really want to like take a step back and look at it all. But also, you know, who are you, what type of media are you consuming? Are you only following very, very thin women who you feel worse about yourself when you look at their pages? Like maybe you should reassess what your feed looks like. Because I know for me, for instance, with TikTok, when I first downloaded it and the algorithm hadn't figured out my preferences yet, it was all these like 15 year olds doing these dances in bikinis with six packs and not a pound of fat on their body. And I was like, what the hell? I do not look like this. People look like this. I'm so confused. And they're 16. I'm freaking 29. Like get a grip. I, did, I didn't even look like that when I was 16. I looked like a boy. I didn't I, like, I, oh, I can't even begin to compare what I looked they're like different and these was days. doing. It, it is just mind blowing to me but I sound like a grandma when I go on these spiels with my sister. I'm like, I just don't understand. But anyway, you know, for me, if you're looking at a feed that's filled with that, you're, you're going to walk away and for the most part, feel worse about yourself. So I really went through and like reassessed who am I following? I want to follow people that make me feel better about myself. I want to follow people that are inspiring and that are teaching me something, not just like showing me their six pack and like, a cute pair of low rise jeans that somehow works on them that I would never feel comfortable in, you know, and again, your weight and your looks are the least interesting thing about you. So follow influencers for their words and their minds and their brains, not for their bodies. Amen. <laughs> I could wait yeah, for so long I, on this. Yeah, no, I mean, social media, even I think, well, one, looking at other people's feeds, like it's great now you can kind of curate what shows up for you. Yeah. Which like you do have control over that. But I think also on the other end, the fact that we constantly have to post ourselves, mm -hmm. constantly be on camera, 
um even like if i'm just filming a cooking segment and like my arm might look fat in one shot like i'll feel down about it so i think most people are not filming themselves or seeing themselves on camera as much as a blogger influencer does absolutely not but i also think if you're in this industry and you know you are not accepting but like you are agreeing to do be on camera this often if this is what you want to do. And so I do think at some point it's just letting go of that and like, you know, let go of, again, let go of the expectation of being quote unquote perfect. Like I sometimes will think, oh my God, all these influencers, not all, but like a lot of them have like these perfect blowouts and like the bachelorette wave in their hair and they're always wearing makeup and their stories are gorgeous. I literally roll out of bed. I don't have a bra on and I'm talking about like farting in the middle of the night and my stories. And am I like, that's my type of content. And I just have to be like, you know what? That's me. And that's, that's what I built a community on. That's how I want to show up. Like I want to be honest and real and I want to be myself and accept myself in all forms. And yes, there are plenty of times where I'll look at photos and I'm like, oh God, I don't love that. But honestly, that's when I force myself to then post it because I'm like, A, I'm sure other people would never even think that if they saw the photo, but B, if someone sees me feeling comfortable posting a photo where maybe I have rolls in my stomach or there's a crease somewhere or something so insignificant that they then feel they can feel comfortable doing that, then like I'm serving a purpose. For sure. So what would like your one piece of advice be to maybe a girl who or a guy who's struggling with their body image? I would say working on the voice in your head. Um, so working on affirmations. So I start my day every day by journaling. I write down three things I'm grateful for three. And that could be something as simple as like, I had a really good night's sleep or I loved the dinner Joe and I had last night or, you know, anything. It could be in general. It could be from the day before. And then I do three personal affirmations and those can vary from, I am beautiful. I am worthy. I am enough. I'm doing as much as I'm supposed to do. You know, they used to be way more body focused. Now they're more mentally focused for me. And then I do three manifestations saying I'm grateful for things as if they've happened that I want to happen. And then really working on if you catch yourself critiquing yourself in the mirror or in a reflection or in a photo, you know, we all have that one area that we critique. And so say yours is, for example, your legs because you want this, you're seeking this unrealistic thing that we've been sold as possible, such as a thigh gap. And that's what you critique. The second your voice goes there, like, oh, my thighs are huge. Instead of then letting the thoughts creep from my thighs are huge to I should have worked out more. Why did I eat that last night? I can't believe I slept through my workout. And to spiral negatively, stop yourself, look in the mirror, especially if you're alone and say them out loud that are like, thank you legs for allowing me to get out of bed this morning. Thank you legs for allowing me to walk around this city. And literally thank your physical body and like muscle or body limb or whatever part it is that you're critiquing, thank it for functioning. Because again, we really need to focus on the fact that our bodies are working instead of critiquing them. Because I mean, it's not guaranteed we're going to wake up every day. You also talk a lot about anxiety and your personal journey with anxiety. I know we're kind of wrapping up here. We could talk all day, but what are like <laughs> three, maybe three things that you do for your anxiety? Cause maybe that'll give people ideas and you know, everyone's journey is different, but right. 
Um, meditation would be my number one suggestion. It's been huge for me. I started during my disability. So it's been two and a half years and I've missed one day. It has literally been the biggest thing for me. I went to a school that is New York based. They do have an online program. It's called Ziva Meditation, Z-I-V-A. It's definitely on the more expensive end. It's an investment, but it changed my life. And if that's something you're interested in, I highly recommend it. You can listen to the episode I have on my podcast with the founder, Emily Fletcher. But I also think just starting somewhere small, like a Headspace or a Calm app and doing five minutes a day, like we all have five minutes to give. Don't even try to act like you're too busy because you're not. And I would say that has been the biggest game changer for me and for the people in my life who I have gotten to hop on the meditation bandwagon and has changed their life. So that's definitely my number one recommendation. Number two is probably CBD. Honestly, it is everything to me. I really, really believe in the product by Beam, B-E-A-M. Um, it's really been the hardest thing for me to give up as a pregnant woman, just because there aren't, I mean, I think it would be fine to be honest, but there aren't studies on it. So like no doctors feel comfortable to having you take it. So I'm currently off of it. And it was really the hardest thing for me to give up. And then three, I would say is if you are able to afford therapy, I am a huge therapy proponent, massive therapy proponent. I wish it was more affordable and accessible to everyone in this country and world. I think we're taking very slow steps to hopefully get there. Um, but if you have the means to invest, you know, it maybe it means one less dinner out with your friends a week or a month, but like trying to make it a priority because it has changed my life. Yeah. And I think going along with therapy, like even if you don't necessarily have the money to spend on it, I know for me, like if I'm feeling any kind of anxiety at all, just like talking to someone, like totally. calling someone who's like who, you know, is like good at listening slash giving advice, even like if it's your aunt, your mom, your best friend, like just like taking some of that pressure off your shoulders and like talking to someone else will help you with your anxiety. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm big about talking your feelings for sure. So let's talk about your pregnancy a little bit. Yeah. Um, since this is something new for you, you open up, it, you know, if everyone wants more details, you put a blog out there about mm -hmm. your first trimester. But can you kind of like tell us in a nutshell um, from the beginning to where you are now? Yep. So obviously, like this is a shorter version, the full details either in the vlog or in my solo podcast episode. But basically, we had been told to take it way back. I had done blood work just because I've had medical issues in the past. Um, and I always really feared not being able to get pregnant personally. It's always been something that's been top of mind for me. And I had been on birth control of some form for 12 years of my life. And after I got my IUD out, it took me a year to actually get any type of period. So I had had a year of actual like scheduled and regular menstruation. So I felt good about that, but I still just wanted to get blood work done to test, you know, other things before we started trying. And one of my levels came back in the infertile range. It was my AMH, which is a hormone that's supposed to measure your egg count. And I went to see a fertility specialist and they, this one fertility specialist, um, and our first visit was like, you know, I think you need to start IVF. This is not, you're not going to be able to get pregnant. 
And we hadn't even been trying. So for us, it was very just what is going on? Like this just took a total 180. I'm so confused. This seems like a large jump to make. Um, I obviously felt very down about it. And, you know, health is a big anxiety trigger for me. So I felt broken and I went on that whole spiral. So I decided I was going to get a second opinion. The second opinion felt way more optimistic. He wanted to do blood work once I menstruated the next time. So I had, you know, I was ready to schedule an appointment. Over this month, I was a little bit more laissez-faire about um, the form of, you know, quote-unquote contraception we were using. And again, we just, I thought there was no chance I was going to get pregnant, especially naturally. And so I started experiencing these cramps which I now know were implantation cramps and they just felt like period cramps. But it was the week before I was supposed to get my period. And I was like, this is weird. I'm usually right on schedule, but whatever. And they lasted three days. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take a pregnancy test. I really did not think I was pregnant whatsoever. I didn't even tell Joe I was taking it. It was like a test from, I guess, when I was in high school because it was in my childhood bathroom because we were at my parents' house. I just took it, left it in the bathroom, and like walked away. I came back into the bathroom like 20 minutes later. I was like, oh, forgot I took this. I guess I should look. And I saw it was pregnant and I lost my shit. I was like, what? I was just so confused. So I screamed Joe's name. Like he comes in. He's freaking out. He's the most literal person in the world. He's like, I don't understand. How is this possible? Is this test old? Like, do they have false positives? We need to go buy another test. Like he's Googling everything. What's the best pregnancy test? Is this one good? Um, so we take another test. It says I'm pregnant. I'm like, okay, I think I'm pregnant. Like false positives actually don't happen, even though he had like tried to make, force us to believe they did. So basically we found out on September 11th, which was huge for me just from personal family stuff. It was it felt very circle of life. And I told my family the next day because I can't keep a secret to myself. And, you know, the first week that we found out, I had cramps, but, you know, they were manageable. I was just so excited and over the moon. And I've always said, like, my body craves being pregnant. I can't wait to be pregnant. My friends think I'm crazy when I say that, but I really have said that for the past, like, six years of my life. And I think I just expected it to be this, like, wonderful, joyous thing that I see everywhere on the internet of like, oh, you have the pregnancy glow and it's wonderful and you're so comfortable in your own skin and you're growing a human and, you know, women are superheroes and we are. But the first- You do have a glow. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Now I do. I looked dead inside. My mom literally was like, you look, your eyes look dead during my first trimester because it was absolute hell for me. And I will not sugarcoat it because that's just not who I am. And I felt a lot of guilt, you know, talking to my friends about this in real time because everyone's like, oh, you you know, you should be so grateful because you're pregnant and you can be grateful and still tell the truth. I don't want to be grateful and lie. And so I had said it. I'm going to record each week because it will be so fun to like watch my body change and my symptoms. Little did I know the end result vlog would be me just like, bitching and crying and complaining the whole time, but that was my reality. And to be honest, I mean, I struggled immensely with anxiety in the very beginning. I had just gone off my medication a month before because eventually my doctors didn't want me on it when I eventually got pregnant. And so I wanted to get off at first to just see how I felt. Um, So I ended up going on a medication that my doctors felt comfortable with me being on while I was pregnant, which changed everything for me in the best way. But I was very anxious. I was having panic attacks almost every morning. I felt 
nauseous at all hours of the day. Whoever made up the term morning sickness is a liar and I have trust issues because of them. Like it's not just morning. It's all day, all through the night for some of us. I mean, I had such bad fatigue. I couldn't get out of bed most days. I couldn't leave the couch, didn't exercise for two months, which for me like says it all. If you know, my friends were like, okay, now I know that this is real. You did not exercise for two months. I absolutely despised the idea of any type of food, but I was hungry 24 seven, which is so difficult. And I would make a bowl of something and want to throw up and put it in the sink and make a bowl of something else and take a bite of it and hate it and put it in the sink. And Joe was like, I swear to God, I work in a cafeteria. All I do is dishes. I'm like, I'm sorry. I just can't decide what I want. So it was just really hard. And it was depressing because I felt so lonely. I was so, I think I just really had a hard time with the fact that reality was so, so incredibly different than my expectation. And that's something I struggle with in all aspects of life, but especially with this, I just felt so alone because I hadn't seen anyone talk about it in this way. And not that people aren't there, aren't out there talking about it. I just hadn't really looked for it. And it's depressing to wake up every day and count down the hours until the day's over. But that's what I was doing. I would literally look at the clock and be like, okay, how many more hours until I could go to sleep and just not be in this day? And I finally hit a point right around 12 weeks where I started to feel better and I would have a full day of feeling okay. And I remember the day after we found out the gender, which really made it real for me. Um, I, I was sitting at the kitchen table with my husband in the morning and I turned to him and I was like, I know this sounds really bad, but other than the week we found out, this is the first time I'm excited to be pregnant. And I had so much guilt and shame saying that. And he turned to me, he was like, of course, of course you feel that way. Why wouldn't you feel that way? This has been hell for you. Like in a way, I didn't resent the fact that I was pregnant, but I missed my life really badly. And it was just such a mind fuck that I was not prepared for. And so I shared all of my truth in the blog and the podcast episode. And already, I mean, so many people who follow me happen to be pregnant, which I guess is great because we'll go through this together. Um, but so many of them have messaged me being like, you literally hit the nail on the head with my symptoms. Watching this makes me feel so validated because I felt so alone and so confused because I've never heard someone talk about how awful this can be. So it's, you know, I'm grateful to be pregnant. I'm so excited for the future. I'm praying that the second trimester is better, but that doesn't change that I fucking hated the first trimester. Yeah. Well, you said you're feeling better now, right? Yes, or at least a God. bit better. Yeah. Thank God. Wait. So what size is the baby now? You know how they say it's like a an lime. egg and a lime. Yeah, oh. I know. It's fun now. So they choose the weirdest things. Like a few weeks ago, it was an olive. I'm like, what? That, really? That's what we're going with? Um, but it's a lime right now. But we got the like uh, nuchal translucency scan, which, you know, is more clear and they check that it has two sides of the brain and it has a heart and it has all four limbs and they really are measuring something in the back of the neck for the possibility of things like down syndrome and that scan was the first time that I was like oh my god there's a baby because all the other ultrasounds you know my doctor's like do you see it I'm like yeah, sure. But no, like it just looks like a tadpole. Like I, it doesn't look like a human. And this one, I was like, oh my fucking God, there's a baby in there. But it's still so small. It's wild to me. The human body is insane. Insane. 
I can't imagine. I mean, like, I'm someone, like, I'm dying to be a mom. I'm so excited. Like, I, too, feel the same way. Like, I feel like I'm someone who would like being pregnant. Yeah. Of course, like, I could have awful symptoms, but I'm, like, I would always play house when I was little. I always pretended I had, like, an imaginary family. Um, But, yeah. So, just to wrap things up, I have a few fun questions that I ask every guest. First being, what would your last meal on Earth be? Okay. Can I, like, have a few courses? Oh, yeah. Okay. First, I would go all the way to Italy, to Montepulciano, where Joe and I went on a trip recently, and I would just have like a massive, huge charcuterie board of like prosciutto, um, focaccia, a good olive oil, cheeses, and like pitted olives. Then I would come back to New York and have, if you follow me, you know I'm obsessed with this meal, the bar sardine burger that is now at their sister restaurant, Fairfax, because they sadly closed due to COVID. And- I would have the burger and a side of fries and a spicy margarita. And then I would go to Van Leeuwen for a massive bowl of ice cream. I'm coming to Van Leeuwen with you. Oh my God. My heaven. So good. So good. They were messaging me, like congratulating me. And they sent me a gift card because their peppermint stick seasonal flavor right now hits like every pregnancy craving I have. And I just like go to town on it. So I'm about to go and just stock up because while it's in stores, I need it at all times. Well, that was a quick response. I think you've maybe thought about that before. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, What's one thing you can't live without in your morning routine? Probably, I mean, it's not a physical thing, but my meditation. Does that count? Yes, it definitely counts. What is something quirky about you that people would be surprised to find out? I think I'm like a male rapper from the 90s, like 90s hip hop and R&B. I know every word. And like, that's my alter ego. I, I did a full rap at our after party of our wedding on a microphone. I love that. Like that's, that's, so that's who I wish I could be. If you had to pick one form of exercise to do for the rest of your life, what would it be? Probably a Pilates reformer, but with an instructor that I love because very hit or miss. It is very hit or miss. Yeah. I went to a Pilates place here in Boca and it was just awful. Yeah. I mean, some can be so, and a mega reformer, not the Legree method. So not like solid core SLT but like classic Pilates. What is your favorite grocery store? I mean, probably Whole Foods. It's so basic, but Whole Foods. I mean, it's like therapy going down the aisle. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. And now last thing we're playing, would you rather foodie edition? Okay. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Peanut butter or almond butter? Peanut butter. Pasta or pizza? Pizza. Cookies or brownies? Cookies. Spinach or romaine? Romaine. I love romaine. Me too. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Smoothies or juice? Smoothies. Hot fudge or caramel? Hot fudge. Lemon or lime? Lemon. Hummus or guacamole? Guacamole. Pesto or marinara? Marinara. That's it? I, that's, those are fa- I was like so fast. <laughs> yeah. No, that's li- I tell everyone that's my favorite part. I love that. Yeah, it's so fun. Um... Where can everyone find you on social media? The main channel would be Instagram at Freckled Foodie. Um, That's definitely my most active platform. And then my podcast is Freckled Foodie and Friends. I release an episode every Friday. It's on all of the main platforms. And I do have an Instagram for that, which is called FF and Friends Pod. And your blog? Yes. Oh, that's all. I mean, it's all on my Instagram, but it's freckledfoodie.com. YouTube's Freckled Foodie. TikTok's Freckled Foodie. 
I think Twitter, I think Twitter is freckled foodie. I don't even know, honestly. Um, that's a new venture for me and it's not food related whatsoever. But I think across the board, most of them are just freckled foodie. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for being on. I had so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Good to finally talk. Yes. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe, and we'll see you next time. I